Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guests, yes, that's plural, come by way of the Carolina Classic. I have the match director, John Royer, and the section coordinator, Stephanie Berry, on the show so we can discuss it. Now, John's been on here before, and hopefully it won't be her last. So if you would, join me in welcoming the two of them to the show. Welcome, guys. Hey there. I don't know hey, that Dave. that was even captured. <laughs> you guys, uh, as John and I almost got into it, the discussion before the show started is the culmination of uh, quite a bit of coordination. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of late night text messages. <laughs> oh, I, I can yep. imagine. So, but that's where I want to start because John was saying before he started doing this match directing stuff, he, he didn't understand why matches were being released for sign up like a year out where people could start signing up for matches. So obviously that means that they're beginning their planning process, but I wanted to get into a little bit more detail with you guys. Now, Stephanie, you're the section coordinator. John was the match director. I don't even know how that relationship happens. So how do we get a match director? And then when does the, the meat of the planning begin? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the planning begins at least a year out, if not longer. Um, but the the match director piece is even longer than that because you're working to figure out which range can host, who's going to be your guy on the ground uh, that can do everything. And that can happen, I'd say, what, a year and a half? Sometimes it could be up to like two years in advance <laughs> trying to, to figure out the logistics of those pieces. Okay. Now, I know this was John's last um, hurrah for now as match director of the Carolina Classic. So do you already have the next match director selected then? We do, yeah. Okay, it's not, so you... It, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, we have, we have the match director selected. We're still finalizing like details um, and going through like board approvals for the, the club. But yeah, we do have... Okay. So the location is still being finalized, but the person heading it up is done. They've, that's already been chosen. Yeah. It's not like so it's, now, a, it's a big secret or anything. It's just we, we're working on dates, but it's going to be next year um, back at Sir Walter with Robert Walker, who does their uh, monthly USPSA match. He's going to be the match director again. And he's done it. He's done it so many times in the past, and he was previously a section coordinator. So he's very familiar Okay. Is that Dylan's dad? Yeah. Dylan's uh, okay. dad. <laughs> All right. There we go. Now I can, I can, now I can start putting faces with names. <laughs> I've seen some people now. <laughs> so now John, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but were you not the match director last year? Correct. Okay. So you knew at the end of last year's match, you were running it back. Yes. Yeah, I think, Steph, I, correct me if I'm wrong, it was pretty much after the match was done. Everything went well, and we're like, all right, you, let's let's do it again next year. We, I think we just kind of looked at each other like, all right, this it worked, mm. so let's do it Let's do it again. So, I believe okay. it was over ice cream in front of Nathan Carter's uh, trailer there. <laughs> there you have it. 
like the ice cream you had on the back of the golf cart you were delivering to everybody? Uh, Nathan Carter also gives out uh, ice cream when you pay cash. So he was just giving some out to staff. And so I think we were, we were uh, celebrating. <laughs> okay. Now, before we get into the planning part, do you guys, so when Keanu Sai did Area 8, when he was the match director for Area 8, he sent out a Google survey to all of the competitors. Do you guys do anything like that with the Carolina section, the Carolina Classic? We do. We haven't every single year, um, but we did just kind of to get a pulse. We did one this year for staff as well as for uh, competitors. And we left it just very simple. I think it was three questions. It was kind of like a, uh, a score, zero, uh, one to 10, you know, would you shoot this again? What are we doing right? And what are we doing wrong? And getting that feedback from folks. Okay. So now, John, you, you were the match director last year. After you guys got the results of that survey, did you tweak anything or make any changes based on that feedback? Yeah, we did. Uh, so, I mean, every, like after the, after the match every year, something, something always sticks out in my mind anyway, you know, something big, whether it be not enough toilets or staff dinner, getting there too, you know, so it's a combination of, of the surveys and it's, and just things in the back of my mind, like, all right, we need to improve on this for next year. Anything in particular? I yeah, I, mean, I can tell you every year, year what I did wrong. If you want to. <laughs> well, what was the what was the one thing that stood out from last year that you're like, all right, we need to change that for this year? Two years ago, we opened the the three bays on the lower end of the range were opened up for us to use, and we didn't have enough okay. bathrooms down there in that corner, so we had a we had a shitty situation on our hands down there, all pun intended. So pun you know, it's something like that. It's like down there in the corner, we need. We need six toilets down there for next year, you know, just little, little things like that. And last year, last year we did the embedded RO thing and I was an RO and I ordered food and I thought I could get, go get the food and come back by the time everyone was ready. And by the time I got back, half the ROs were gone and we had a lot of food left over. And I was like, dang, I'm, that's not really, that wasn't my intent, but, um, it's okay. still, I guess it was still better than. The first year because we didn't have a staff dinner at all so i guess it's just little things like that you try to improve on all right so so you've done this three years in a row four uh, now four. Oh, four. okay it's one yeah four okay yeah now did you not have a staff dinner just because that you were new to it or what was the reason that, for that would have been COVID year. So there was a, yeah, that was September of 2020. So that was kind of COVID time. So, you know, it's kind of right there. And I mean, okay. and I think too, I mean, it's, it's partially how do we handle that? How do we deal with large crowds? Yeah. Go ahead. Part Stephanie. of it too. And money um, yeah. with COVID the like attendance has been down at matches. So I know as a match, we weren't doing the staff dinner because it was, you know, we were making sure we could break even. So even the last two years that we've done it, um, you know, we're better in a better place financially, but John's taken that and seen it as a need for the match and does his part of his sponsorship because he's 
there is a match director, but he's there as a sponsor as well. And that's part of his sponsorship as he makes sure to sponsor the, the staff meal. So that's what he's done the last two years. So you don't just give away ammo to shoot on a bay. You actually help. I, I thought you were giving yeah. away ammo. I saw the sign driving in. I'm like, oh, free ammo. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my bait and switch. Yeah, I, I, I like it, though. That was good. A little fine print at the bottom of the sign. There was fine yes. print? I didn't see I that. I tried to get it as small as I could get it. <laughs> there was, yeah. What did, what did it say? Yeah. Not actually uh, free it, ammo or something a, like that? <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it was like sort of or something, you know, something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I did not see you, that. You'd have to be right next to the, to the banner to see it. So how did you guys split up the responsibilities? Like what did, what did John manage and what did Stephanie manage? I was saying, why don't you talk through what you did, John? Uh, I was on, I did a lot of this, the range logistics, uh, you know, going to the board, um, making sure our props, props, walls, stuff like that. Targets were ordered, paint, pasters, the like the hard the hard range stuff the hard um the hard goods you know make sure lumber and water and ice and keys to the barn keys to the classroom so everything range related that's what i did okay so did stephanie you just handle all the administrative side then or yeah all the administrative the money the like logistics the the staff the sponsors not even all the sponsors. I'd say I handled like the administrative stuff with the sponsors, the the stuff that no one else wants to have to, to deal with, like tax receipts and things like that. Mm. Uh, uh, a lot of the times John would would send over just like a text message, by the way, so-and-so is going to sponsor the match. It was like, all right, sweet. Let's keep going. So then when yeah. he would do that, would you reach then reach out to them after that? Yeah, we coordinate with whoever the sponsors were because there's things like graphics we have to get to make sure we can put them like on the website and the matchbook, um, you know, getting whatever it is they're going to donate uh, shipped over to John so he can bring it to the range, getting things like banners. It's a lot of like nitty gritty. And I think anyone who's a, like a true match director that likes dealing with like the setup at the range and building stages, that's probably like the worst part of a major match is having to deal with like the sponsors and the logistics because there's just so many pieces to like keep track of. So that's part of the, the thing I take on. Dave, she made ahead, a, she made a, a form on the website, on the NC section website as well. So if we found a potential sponsor, we could just send them that link and they could go to their fill out all their information and it go directly to her instead of me sending an email, say, Hey, fill this out, email it back or whatever. So if they fill that out online, it went directly to her. So Stephanie, do you do computer stuff? And your day job or? Uh, I, I kind of, I deal with marketing tech, so I try to simplify processes. So like, that's okay. why I'll have like the website updated for staff or sponsors, just cause the less I have to deal with things or kind of go back and forth via email makes more sense to me. Um, and a lot of the times now too, a lot of the sponsorships want that laid out. I think there's been a lot of sponsors in the sport that get burned out because, um, they're not getting kind of what they they ask for back out of a match so we kind of lay it all out there and say hey these are our terms this is what you're going to get this is the package you know if you want to opt in you absolutely can you know here's the easy way to do it here's a form or even for staff we put all that out there so so that folks aren't having to like reach out and ask questions about that they have all the information there 
so do you have and I've, I've been on the website though i like the website um this is kind of off the wall but do you have um web page design background or is that part of your media stuff that you're familiar with I I used to back in the day, I'm like so outdated now, but I was, you know, back in when you used to like code a website with HTML, like that's when I did it. <laughs> now I just use okay. templates for everything like everyone else. Okay. Oh, nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I totally get it. So, all right. So here's the crux of what I'm interested in for sure. Do you guys have key markers in place like at six months we want this done 90 days out we want this done 60 days out 30 days out two weeks do you have uh, a template like that or are you just doing what you can when you can i mean i think it's a bit of both we do have a template we've developed uh john and i share because i'm this type a person we have a huge like asana project for every year with like all the tasks laid out and so i think it's just you know, we have it there so we don't forget all the things that we have to do. But I think a lot of it, too, is when we can, you know, between family stuff, work stuff, like when we find time on the, the nights and weekends, we'll try to, like, knock things off that list. Okay. So, John, on the match side of things, um, like how long, how far out? I know you said that all of the stages were designed by other match directors in the state. So you get a little bit of a, a taste of all the different match directors within North Carolina, but how far out from the match did you have all those stages in and to USPSA for approval? I think I sent out the request to the match directors 11 months out. And I, uh, I'm trying to think on the fly here. I think 11 months out, I sent the email. And then, you know, a month or two later, most of them came back with something. So say, yeah, so say eight, eight months to nine months out, I had all the stages in SketchUp. And then probably, actually, I dropped the ball. I had everything submitted on the website, on USPSA's website in May but I forgot to hit the upload button. So it's pretty stupid on my part, but like everything was there for, I think I put it in like in February and then Steph reached out or something in a Sonic kicked up and I went back and looked and I never hit submit. So, I mean, we were still what five, four months out from getting matched approved anyway. So it wasn't a big deal, but um, right. yeah, I tried to, I tried to send all that stuff out right away to the match directors and get that done. So we could get, because the, the longest thing was me putting everything in SketchUp and laying it out how I needed to with Rowan, like steel and kind of moving things around in our bay, stuff like that. That takes me probably probably a good two months to do. So and when, I, of, when I say months, when I say months, you know, like Steph said, that's working a couple hours a week on it. You know, that's you know, not putting 40 hours into it. Right. Yeah, I get that. I mean, you've got your, your day job you've got to do. So you're just, when you're finding time, you yeah. get stuff done. That's why I'm curious when you guys started all of this, because it's a, it's a big thing and it takes time, but 
I mean, all three of us have a regular job. So when, you know, how far out are you having to start to get this thing complete? That's, that's not simple. Now, how long did it take for you to hear back from the USPSA that everything was good? This year wasn't bad. I think it was maybe a week or two, right, Steph? Okay. Uh, but years passed. Years passed. Uh, I'm going to sound like a butthead when I say this, but in years past, like it was weeks leading up to the to the match, and that's the same timeline. Putting mm-hmm. everything in February, March, and last year I remember it was worse for sure, and I had to reach out to a couple people over there saying, "Hey, you know, what's going on here?" Am I good? Am I not good? But this year went through quick. So maybe they, and talking to other match directors, it sounded like they went through the same deal. So hopefully they changed some of their processes to make that streamlined a little bit better. I think now the way it seemed from like the portal in USPSA, it got <clears throat> fished out to one of the RMs that is like approved to do that right away. Cause I think this year it was Kevin Immel who went through, whereas in years past, it kind of always went to Troy and Troy was left to like pick if he wanted to do it himself or farm it out, but then it would kind of just die in his inbox, and we kind of have to, you have to poke uh, the assistant there or the the secretary for DR, uh, the DNRI. So yep. process is good in this case. It's taken months yep. before. Yeah, maybe they changed something there because I I mean there's a lot that those guys have to do as it is. So being able to delegate is a good thing. Yep, agreed. So how far out, John, did you start laying out the stages? Uh, that would have been mm, as soon as I started getting stages back from the match directors, I started laying them out. So nine months, say, yeah, that eight, nine month range, somewhere in there. And then just putting them on the ground the week prior, the week of the, the shoot? Uh, yeah, so our setup day was on Thursday. We got it done in a day. In one day? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people did you have? What did you do? Go to the local prison? <laughs> I <laughs> Actually, there is a local prison, so I'm not going to give out all my secrets. <laughs> yeah. I think you had 12 built people this Luckily, year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, luckily I I suckered some people and they're coming out and helping. When you have an ammo company and some of those people come and help, there's kind of a eh, type deal. A way to entice them. So, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. We, I mean, or, or bribe. So yeah, I mean. the, the bribe. Yeah, there was no blackmail. <laughs> I promise. Uh, so luckily, some of the people that help set up are our normal Rowan club match people. So they you know, they know the deal. They know we're, they know how, cause our range, we have to have, we have to be careful with the shotgun field and the long range behind our pistol base, just the way steel falls. So we don't want it splashing, getting into them. So, you know, kind of have just some little range rules we have to deal with. And those guys know that. So, um, yeah, we just had a great, we had a kick-ass setup crew. I mean, that's really all there was to it. Well, and I, I was just at the Virginia state match and they start setting up the Monday prior to the weekend to get it all set up and and done. I know I helped them, was it 2019? Might've been 2019. Uh, and one of the days it was like uh, uh, literally a hundred degrees, the beginning of October. It was crazy. 
Ooh. Um, yeah, it was nuts hot that week. Oof. How many people set up their match? Like that match? At that, I mean, I've only seen maybe a handful. And when I say a handful, you know, maybe five. At, wow. at most at a time. Yeah, we would have to do, you know, there'd be like two or three, um, two or three stages getting set up would be a, a good day. You know, four would be a really good day. So I, I think, I think Dave Ankeny did most of them this time. I could be wrong, but I think he, he did most of the, the setup of them throughout the week. So, wow. Uh, last year we did a, we started Wednesday, we did a Wednesday and Thursday, half a day Thursday, but that was too much. Like it was just too many days for on the range for what we needed, so we we backed it up to just one day. <laughs> Holy cow! Wait a minute now. You, guys, <laughs> now you say that, yeah, I know that makes it sound like such sissies. Yeah, it's like yeah, oh, that, that's that. too much time. <laughs> It's to, no, yeah. we got to cram it more. I know. I'm so, so pristy. Sorry. I might get, I know I might get split. <laughs> well, I think that was one of the lessons learned though. Cause we went last year was the first year we did the embedded RO where we have some staff that work in alternative schedule and they work as staff on staff day running like timer and tablet. And so we were trying to accommodate some folks that are regulars at Rowan. And so we did set up Wednesday, set up Thursday morning. And I was like, I think it was like one squad that you guys were on shot through all day like or all afternoon thursday but it was we were rushing in the morning to like with the rm there to make sure the stages were cleared the folks who shot in the afternoon that day too kind of got a raw deal because they're exhausted from setting up in the morning and then they're kind of rushing through the stages to shoot so it was like it was a neat experiment but it was one of those like lessons learned where it was like it just wasn't fair to to those folks that had to shoot that day looks good on paper type of a thing yeah. Yep. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, if you're setting all the stages up in one day, and where in the world do you find time at the end of the day for the range master to come in and check everything? So you got to be done at like three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon to give him time to do that. Oh. Okay. He doesn't want to answer. <laughs> well, he drops off. I'll walk through that. We've actually worked with at least in the five years I've been doing it, we've worked with really great range masters. So we've had Mike Adams for like four of the last five years. He'll usually come up around lunchtime or just before, and he starts walking through stages before anything's nailed down. So like we've never had a build day go, and this sounds like bragging and it is, but we have like the best setup crews. We never have a build day that goes past 4 PM. Um, so the R wow. RMs are there like, like helping, check angles because they're, they're looking for safety issues primarily. Um, and then right. we'll have a few folks that are like, if the stage designer is there and they're trying to get the intention of a stage, right, they'll walk through before things are nailed down. But I think this year with Gary, Gary McConnell was our RM this year and he came in and he was, he was like helping build the stage. Like he was helping point out safety issues and maybe mm. um, giving some feedback, but like he was actually helping to build the stages. I was not expecting that. So, so did you guys have any um, of the stage designers available on Thursday to help with the uh, the intent of the stage? Yeah, uh, Ike was there. Uh, ben came in. You were there. Brian, Brian Wolf, me. Yeah. So I mean, half, okay. maybe less than half of us were there. Okay. 
Now, how much did you guys? How much did you guys talk about the stages while they were being constructed? Um, kind of like just touching base with each other or looking at each other's stages as they were being constructed to make sure there wasn't something like overlapping targets, you know, where you can shoot through one and into uh, hit another things like that. Was there any of that or did you guys just go, okay, you have one to three, I have four to six and, and everybody go and build. So what I did is I printed out, I printed out the over the like the overhead view and then on the back side page two was a supply list so they took that and as people showed up to the range i just grouped people together you know groups of two groups of three and just asked them what stage they wanted to pick out so they grabbed the stages and they went to that bay and they roughed it in and then as gary came in or ben or the original stage designer whoever it was they just kind of looked things over before anything got nailed or stapled so everything was roughed in uh, and then multiple eyes got set on it before nails got put down okay you guys have this process down holy cow that's pretty solid <clears throat> so staff day was friday um i got there later that evening i guess about five five thirty six somewhere through there um, you guys were already in the building. I mean, you guys were having a party in there. Um, <laughs> so you said that you guys do your staff dinner on Friday. Now, wh what made you choose Friday over Saturday? Saturday's a long day. It's our double, it's a two match day. So we start earlier than we would on staff day. And we typically go later. I think this year we went to like 6.30, people were shooting and it's just really late. I think a lot of the times people just wanna go to the hotel, um, shower. And I think it's just better, I feel like there's more camaraderie when you do it on Friday because everyone's talking about how they shot the match or the stages they liked. That was my view on it, John, I don't know about you. Yeah, I think that's well said. And, and that was gonna be my comment too, is we were eating by five o'clock. So, you know, we had, three, four hours of daylight left. And yeah, Friday's kind of an, just like she said, it's kind of an easier day. Stephanie just touched on it. You guys on Saturday, so it's all staff reset, but on Saturday you have the squad Saturday morning come in and shoot the entire match in the morning. And then you have an afternoon set of squads come in. They shoot the match the entire afternoon. And then on Sunday, you have bigger squads come in who shoot all day long, all the different stages all in one day. But from, I think, I, I want to say, I want to say you finished at like three or three thirty, So it still wasn't even that long of a day. Yeah. We try to finish early enough. So like we have time for breakdown. It's not dark and people can drive home that same day, uh, staff and competitors. So which, which day fills up faster for you guys? Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Saturday PM. Oh, Saturday. Oh, well, that would make sense. Yeah. You don't have to get up early and you're still done by evening. Yeah. You get to walk stages in the morning. Like that one will always fill up maybe the, the within like a week of opening registration. <laughs> oh, wow. Everyone wants and, those spots. 
and you guys sold out this match, correct? This time? We this did. Year, we, I mean? we always have like a portion of folks that just don't show up. They don't withdraw. They don't show right. up. And, uh, but, but we had actually sold out a few times. Like we went through a wait list a couple times, which was great. So what, what was the feedback this year on the stages? What'd you guys get back? The number one response I got like in person and on these surveys we sent out was, um, grip tape on the balance beam. I think people have seen like a lot of the videos or Duda's video where he was doing like a slide down the balance beam on stage five. But, right. uh, I think we've been lucky. We haven't had any bad weather, uh, the last four years we were doing this match. So this year was the first year we ever got rain on any of the days. And we've never before, like we've been prepared with things like bags, but we've actually never had to rainproof a stage. So I think that's like the big feedback for next year is, is take a look at everything on a stage, get waterproof targets is what we're going to do next year as well. And just have them ready. And hopefully we never need them, but uh, rainproofing stages. So having things like grip tape available so we can fix things like that before, before we uh, shoot on the first day, just in case it does rain. Okay. Yeah. I think even um, if I remember correctly, John, weren't you the one who I, when I interviewed, you said it was slick. So you had to be careful when you got on. Oh, no, no, no. I know what it was. It was slick. So you chose yeah. one spot in the middle. So you only got up and got off one time. Yeah. I almost, yeah, I almost lost it just doing a walkthrough in there. So just had to, and the thing about it was, is we were looking like, uh, Thursday during setup, we were keeping an eye on the weather. And when we were done set up on Thursday, like it was only like a 10 or 20% chance of rain. And then the longer Friday and Saturday went, then the, the chances started going up. And yeah, looking back, I, I would have done something different, but I mean, what, I'm not a weatherman. Even the weathermen aren't weathermen, so you just got to do yeah. what you got to do and roll on with it. I mean, they're they're only right twenty percent of the time, so yeah, yeah. And it and it poured Sunday morning. Holy cow, that yeah. was nuts. So all the feedback was good then, um, John. I did do a quick interview of you of the stages when you finished, even though you you weren't all uh, wanting to do the interview. Um, but now you've had time to digest everything. It's, it's past, it's over. How do you feel the match went and how do you feel the stages were for the competition out there? I would still agree with what I said. Uh, I, I, I so I don't really get any criticism either way. So maybe, maybe Steph gets the brunt of, of, of my misfalls, but, um, I mean, just being a, just being a competitor and shooter, uh, I liked them. I think they, I, they represented, I guess what our matchbook was like when we first put all the matches on in practice score, I think like that they lined up with, with what everyone's vision was. At least I hope it was as far as the, the match directors that, this, the people that submitted the stages, I hope it line, was in line with what they were thinking and the shooters were happy with how everything felt on the ground and what the matchbook showed, if that makes sense. So your, the stages on the ground matched the, what you had in the matchbook for the most part? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I think they were as close as what we could get. You know, they're not... Yeah, I'm not You're never going to be 100%. So. <clears throat> Correct. 
but it's not like Carry Optics Nationals where there were a lot of changes. Yeah, and I, I didn't want to say, but since you did, Dave, yeah, over. We'll I know, there. but yeah, it, you know, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's just. I mean, that's just part of me being at Rowan, being a member there, knowing, having experienced, blah blah blah. So that I don't know what right. I'm gonna say. It's all, <laughs> it's all good, well, Stephanie. Did you get any other feedback, whether personal or through the survey, about how the match was run overall? And and I asked that because um, you you handled all of the check in. From what I saw, you did all of that each morning, each afternoon. But you were also you weren't just doing that; like you were in the golf cart delivering food and and doing other things as well. So, what type of feedback did you? It, Look, from my standpoint, uh, you know, unbiased, objective third party, I thought it was one of the smoothest matches I've seen run. So I'm curious what you guys got for feedback. Feedback, we've gotten it in years past too. It's just about like food. I know a lot of matches have like food trucks on site and they'll usually do them for uh, like staff and competitors. Um, and, you know, we might try to do that next year. It's just we've seen that go like really wrong in the past where staff doesn't get their food on time. Staff gets cold food. And like, that's kind of just goes against my showing folks like they're appreciated, like having a cold lunch and not getting a chance to eat it. So, so we've typically avoided that, but it actually led to an issue this year. Um, Cause typically we've had like a, a break on the schedule for, for lunch, but with the rain this year, I think things started to get a little bit backed up just in the times when, from bagging and unbagging targets a couple times. So there's like a, a break on the lunch, uh, on the calendar on Sunday for a lunch break. And in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, oh yeah, if, like they, if they wanna stop and eat staff, uh, they can, they don't have to, but I didn't enforce it. Um, and Gary McConnell like kind of showed me what the effects were when I wasn't there to see them firsthand, but it was like, some staff did break for lunch, some staff didn't break for lunch. And then it led to a bit of backups. Uh, so, cause there were some stages that just kept running through and there were some stages that stopped. And so like that kind of messed up the flow for Sunday. And so that's, that's a lesson learned for, for future years. You know, if you put something on the schedule, you know, if it's there, you need to enforce it, uh, just to keep things running smoothly. But even with that said, with some of those backups, with some of the rain, like, like you saw, we were still done by like three or three thirty. which. Yeah, it was still quick. And those were full squads and on every single bay. So, yeah, it, it still ran smooth. And I know what you're saying. Now, my my question is this: You guys, I don't know who chose that deli, but that deli, that food is awesome. Thank you for the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Um, but there wasn't um, a food truck or something out there. And I, the only complaint I ever heard the entire time was on Sunday. I think it was uh, up on stage one. There was a shooter that was thinking there was going to be food on site for them to be able to purchase. So uh, my question is this, like I was just at Prairie Fire, their grand opening um, in Nevada. And they gave people an opportunity to, during their registration for the grand opening day, to actually pay a little extra for lunch to be provided. Mm -hmm. um, 
Is that something you would consider going forward? Maybe where the match staff would still like collect it from a deli, but you know, it would actually be divvied up to the competitors that paid for a lunch. I wouldn't say it's off the table. The thing is just the logistics of it. Um, mm -hmm. So if, if it wasn't, if it was like everyone across the board, it'd be easy enough. You tell everyone like, okay, everyone on the squad, stop shooting. We kind of did this on staff day, stop shooting, go grab a lunch. If it's pick and choose, you have to figure out who it is on the squad who, who got a lunch. Did everyone get a lunch? You have to take a tally. People have their uh, nuances where they want to eat certain things or they don't want to eat other things. And so you have dietary right. preferences. So it's one of those, like, I'd rather, mm. if we're going to have a food option, have people be responsible for their own food. But it's also like food trucks are okay. great and that they're mobile and they offer those options. But food, if you get the wrong kind of food truck, it can take forever. And unless if like you're a competitor for that day, like it's not even reasonable to think that in between what, even with a staff reset match that can move so quickly that you're going to place your order, get your food and have a chance to eat it within like a reasonable time frame because they take forever. My, my ideal would be like bribing a bunch of Boy Scouts to like set up some barbecues with like hot dogs and hamburgers for competitors to just come up. But, but even that, like we've, I've tried that a few times. It's remarkably hard to get in touch with a Boy Scout troop. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's too bad because you get to pay them like $10 a head, you know, add it into the registration, give yeah. them $10 a head and say, here you go. Yeah. And supply it. Earn your cooking badge or whatever badge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe make a little money for the troop. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was the only thing I heard the whole time. Now I do have a question um, set up at first. I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, who, who was on crack cocaine when they labeled the, they numbered all the stages. Cause I'm like one, nine, what I'm like, <laughs> what in the world is going on? I was so confused. And then it made sense. It's like, Oh, everybody travels literally the same number of steps from stage to stage shooting the entire match. So it made absolutely perfect sense you just had to wrap your head around it at first um but i gotta ask did ben have a headache after doing chrono in that spot down there and i <laughs> asked that because that center block wall when i went down there and you have people like chris gelnet who's shooting 50 cal plus p plus through his open gun holy cow the echo and the reverberation from that i i walked away because i was like that gun is nuts but so i'm curious if if you guys have had if those guys had any issues with that down there yeah i think they put up with it but it's not it's not ideal um but it is nice like we've had it in years past where we didn't have the dedicated chrono bay there so i think it's kind of it's a nuisance with the, the blast coming off the wall but it's so nice to have right there and so you're not shooting into the woods anymore Right. And it's, and, and look, I mean, when, when it was just a, a, a minor power factor gun, you didn't have that issue. It was literally only limited to some of the open guns. And I, I always pick on Chris's because his is one of them. Kevin Garaspi, who's a GM up here, open shooter, same thing. You know, you get like the six inch or 12 inch flames coming out of the compensator on the front. It's nuts. I'm sure I've got it on video from the Virginia state match. It's crazy. 
It's like, my God, it's a howitzer. So, John, I do have a question for you. Did you guys use, and, and I mean, maybe this is something Stephanie coordinated, but did you guys use commander timers on all the bays? We did. We had Bill Duda's scoring system. Okay. I heard, um, and I don't remember where I heard it. I'm trying to rem- Oh, I think it was uh, Ben's podcast. Mm-hmm. He mentioned something of that that Bluetooth timer helped catch a scoring issue. Is that are you yeah. are you it aware? Worked, yeah, it worked both ways. Like I oversaw um, someone. So the commander timers are so nice because like when it syncs to the tablet, you can see like your shot times. Um, and we had one competitor in particular. It was really nice. He noticed when his score got synced uh, and he was alerted of it and he looked at it in the practice score competitor app he noticed there was like a, a final shot that was like four or five seconds after um and it, it seemed suspicious to him so he brought it up to gary mcconnell the rm and because we had the shot times we were able to reverse the time on the tablet because obviously something else got picked up mm, by the timer right um, and so we were able to reverse it without doing a reshoot one of the huge benefits of having like the commander timer sync with the tablets the other hand this is a huge lesson learned like i don't think it's well known uh but we had that happen on a few stages where shots or sounds were getting picked up after last shots and it was adding a couple seconds to people's time also the importance of what these live syncing times make sure as a competitor you're actually checking them and looking at those shot times um, if they're available because we had several instances we found out after the arbitration period and the match closed where there was mm. we noticed a trend on one particular stage so all we can assume is that it was something to do with that R, um the ro's style of wherever they were holding the timer whenever the slide was maybe getting um, um put back that it was catching it and counting it as a shot and then updating it to the tablet so um it can work both ways it's very much a double-edged sword and we've actually um robert walker the match director for next year has actually submitted a request to practice score right now in hopes of getting some kind of alert that comes up when there's a suspicious gap in time between a single final shot to hopefully have that pop up in practice score but we're learning now that that's something to educate ro's at matches on if they have that commander set up to like make sure you're looking at the 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 hard times between whatever that last shot is or making it a habit to really put the the timer further away from the gun when you're uh, calling them clear. Now, do you think that that would be something worthwhile to add to the matchbook for the competitors to say, Hey, we are using Bluetooth style uh, timers. They've been known to catch errant last shots. Make sure you do, check your times i mean do you think that's worthwhile or that's a great idea i had it in there to train the ro's next year to look for that but i'm gonna make a note now because yeah it can't hurt to like have competitors everyone being diligent i think that's good advice yeah and and i would think too i mean from a match standpoint if arbitration ended at least you could refer back say look we knew this you know we tried to make everybody aware not just the staff but the shooters as well, you know, so they could also, because I mean, ultimately it's, it's their responsibility. If I'm shooting the match as a competitor, it's my responsibility to make sure every, you know, you don't just take the little receipt or whatever and shove it in your pocket, you know, maybe you actually check it. So 
I don't, but I'm also not going to win anything. So who cares? Yeah. So I'm not worried about it. And it just in like full disclosure, it was brought to my attention because when this became known for one competitor, someone did the the research after the fact, I think it was like on a discord thread, it came up and it was like, it did change the placement for someone, I think in carry optics, like he hadn't a mm. shot that was picked up. And if he hadn't, he would have come in like second or third instead of where he did place just because of that, that one. And he didn't look at the oh, receipt. Wow. It wasn't brought to our attention. And it's just one of those, like, it's, it's a shitty situation, but I'm glad we know for it for next year. So we can actually look for that. Cause again, we'll be using those timers and more, a lot of clubs are using them and Duda's doing awesome by like sending that whole kit around and equipping clubs with that. So, but it is something to be aware of that we hadn't thought about in years past. I would say it's been, not been an issue in years past, but I actually haven't looked at the data. I have no idea if it's been doing this every year. Well, and I feel like they're making the time, the shot timers more sensitive. Like, you're able to catch trigger pulls on dry fire and stuff like that. These things are becoming so sensitive. So if that's, you know, cause they're getting better, the timers are getting nicer. They're getting better. They're doing things they haven't done in the past. This just may be one of those unfortunate circumstances that comes with that betterment, you know? So we all probably need to know. Yeah. All right. I got to ask you guys staff reset. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to wait and get your answer. And I'm going to give my thoughts on staff reset. Cause I had never seen it before. So I was able oh, wow. to experience and watch it. So I definitely have some, some input or some feedback. I should say not input, but feedback, but what kind of feedback do you guys, so you've done this together now for four years. What is the competitor feedback and what is the staff feedback? I know I've been talking a lot, John, so I'm going to give you a chance. <laughs> no, I, th I think you're doing great. I'm just sitting back and listening. <laughs> I mean, as far as staff, is that like the staff knows the staff knows that it's, they're going to be long days. They're going to it's going to be tough on them, but they they still sign up knowing what the expectations are. And on the shooter side, like we have shooters that are coming down from the north, you know, from Maine, Massachusetts, all that area because they're kind of hearing about the staff reset and they want to come check it out. And they've never shot anything like that before up there. So they're at first they're kind of like, eh, I'm so bored. And then at the end, they're like, dang, all I got to do is go to this stage and just visualize a stage for 20 minutes till I'm ready to shoot. So, so the, the, I would say the majority loves the staff reset, both on the, on the competitor side and the staff, just knowing that, it's going to be tough on them throughout the weekend. Okay. And even if it wasn't a staff reset match, staff still has to walk the stage. They have to look at every target that much more closely. If competitors were resetting it, they have to check the steel has been painted. Like there's still the time they're spending walking in that portion of, of down range. It's just, it's nicer. Like when you do have a group together and you can divvy it out and say, well, who's responsible for what? Like you can trust your team and that you don't have to worry about, X, Y, or Z, you only have to worry about your three targets. And it happens so quick, just like if you're following behind the RO, it's, it's, and with the paster guns, we make sure like people bring a lot of staff, bring their own paster guns. A few years ago, we invested in having some in all the boxes on the stage. So, so we've got paster guns. It just, it makes really quick work of it. And, and also Dave, is that the, you see, you're going to see a lot of the staff 
in other matches, whether it be South Carolina, Georgia, us. So, like, we're using a lot of this. Like, the same people, the same men and women are staffing all these matches. So they've got it down. They know the procedure. Yep. Well, in, when I first started watching, I was like, okay. I could see where people would complain that, oh, it's boring. Or they're bored. Not boring, but they are bored. But immediately I was like, however, what I did note. Now, that, that would only be, to me, that would be an individual shooter who's there from out of town. Who doesn't know anybody so they're they're more on their own but i have never seen so much socializing going on at the match as i did there like people were legitimately talking and joking and having fun and just discussing things and the biggest thing i noticed so this was my biggest takeaway was zero stress because this is how I am. When I come off, like, let's just say I'm shooting, whether it's a nationals or um, a major, uh, any other level two match or a local, I always feel like I've got a, I've just finished. I've got to now get back, reload, clean my mag if I have to, if it fell in mud or sand or whatever, like Florida, frostproof, terrible, got to always clean your mags out. Hurry up so I can get back and start re resetting, doing all that stuff because there's only so many people there to do it and we all have to do it. So I always feel like that extra stress of I have to do my part. There was none of that. It's like literally it's stress-free. You come back, you can literally contemplate what just happened, what you need to do, clean whatever you need to clean, take your time, get your stuff back together, talk to other people. And then when you're done, you just kind of hang out and go on to the next one. I was like, I have never seen such a stress-free match. And I don't think people think about it from that standpoint. That's a different stress than the, the competition side, you know. But I, I like it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and I think, I mean, most folks, when they're going and shooting a match it's like an eight hour day at least. And so you're constantly, you're either prepping for a stage or you're getting yourself ready and prepared and you're resetting a stage. You can kind of have like little bits and pieces of conversation and you kind of generally know who people are. But even that there's the stress of like paying attention to like who's on deck and who can you not talk to right now or who's doing what. And so I think it's nice. Yeah. It gives folks an opportunity to, to catch up with each other because the way matches are now, like the social aspect is largely gone for matches people don't hang around for scores after a match because we have practice where they just take off and head home um you know a lot of these bigger matches they're they're not broken up because we're trying to make it so it's more accessible to folks so they can shoot and kind of head home there's no breakup or like uh, a match over several days there's no awards dinner there's no other social aspect to it so when there is the staff reset, people do get to know like folks on the squad, whether it's friends, like we have people that will reach out months in advance and say, I want to buy out an entire squad because they want to be able to like ensure that they can shoot with their buddies. And then there are other folks like they get to they get to to meet others. And, you know, whether it's from Maine or a local group, it's always like a nice, nice to just see folks catching up or, or getting to, to know each other a bit better. Well, and I was... And I was I was at the Carolina Classic more during the day than I was at Virginia State, 
but I still spent a good bit of time at the Virginia state match. And I got two interviews out of Virginia state because I didn't. And those were two people that I knew that I had talked to before. Um, so that wasn't an issue, but it was different because they were trying to watch and see what was going on before they shot. And then when they got done, they had to hurry up and do their stuff and get back to what they were doing. It was a totally different feel. Whereas when I was down there, I ended up posting 40 different videos and a bunch of interviews with people because they had that time. There was no stress. They were able to sit there and just relax and talk to me after they shot. And I was like, this is awesome. This, this works. So I hope <laughs> I'm hoping that this will like COVID spread across the country <laughs> because I like it. I, I think it works. Uh, I just hope there's enough people to, to do it elsewhere. Yeah. I don't know why, but area six, like, cause that's funny. I, I didn't realize Virginia wasn't staff reset. Like my brain just associates this whole Southeast area, but, mm -mm. but yeah, something about area six, like, all the big mashes have been staff reset for as long as I've known. Interesting. Okay. I don't feel like it would be difficult. I just don't know that it's been considered. So I'm, I'm not sure. The guys you did interview in Virginia, was everyone giving them the stink eye when they were standing around talking to you instead of helping paste? <laughs> no, actually, you know what? When I, when I talked to him, it was basically everybody was done shooting the stage and the entire squad had gone around to the next stage. And then I felt like I was mm. keeping him or them from starting the next stage brief so they could do their walkthrough. Mm. So, you know, it, it's a totally different feel in that environment. So it's, it's interesting to know the two different feelings now. And, and it's much more difficult to do what I did at, at the Carolina Classic somewhere else that's not staff reset yeah it's totally different feel yeah and to, to john's earlier point too about of the folks that work our match like a good chunk of um work south carolina georgia um sometimes like area six whether it's been at rowan or somewhere else so it's really interesting because there i've heard two different pieces of feedback this year too about from a staff perspective so we always have like um the groups that they'll want to work together. Like we have one squad in particular, I'm thinking of like, they're like five guys and they end up being always like the biggest staffed stage because there's like five or six of them now and they always want to work together. So they make like a boys weekend out of it every year. Uh, and I think they've worked area six as well. And they do the exact same thing. But I heard the feedback too this year from someone else who's worked our match for a couple of years now. And he said, you know, he, he would go down and he would work um, uh, matches like in Florida for a while and it was like, everything was really clickish. So he'd go and work a stage and he didn't care. He didn't know anyone. He'd go um, just be part of the staff there. And it was like a click, you know, they'd come together. They had their own like easy up and they wouldn't like, it's kind of like a, you know, middle school cafeteria. They wouldn't let them under the easy up and like wouldn't socialize. And like he left the match, like not really knowing anyone. And so, you know, some of the feedback that we got is that they like that. Like we try to, if nobody makes a request, um, for folks, we try to pair people based on like preferences because we do ask staff as well. You know, are you comfortable with a lot of movement? Do you want an easy stage? Are you okay with like resetting uh, movers if we have any? And we try to take that into consideration because sometimes we have people with physical lim uh, limitations 
And so they want like a smaller bay. They don't want to be walking one of the huge bays to reset like steel in the back every time. Um, but when we try to like pair folks together, um, we all always have these ones that have no ties to anyone else. So we get to pair them together and they come away knowing folks. And like, usually the way it works is if they come back the next year, we'll get a request that they want to work with that same person that they worked with the year before. Like that kind of just tends to be the way it works. And then you, they start to form these little groups and they start splitting hotel rooms and all that stuff. So it's really neat when, with the staff reset too, because they're in it together for a whole weekend there really is like a sense of camaraderie. And uh, now that we've been doing like the staff party the last few years, people are getting a chance to talk. We did something like last year, the previous years too, we'd always have like the match hotel. But we'd always tell people like, we can't drink at the range, but you know, come down to the lobby of the match hotel and we'll all just grab a beer or like split some pizza. And we've done that the last few years too. And like folks get to meet others that are working the match. Cause again, we're all, we're all there were a captive audience for for the weekend and it's really worked out yeah and it's funny you say that stephanie because i when i first started helping at the virginia state match a few years back i, I was brand new to the sport didn't know anybody didn't know anything and i i helped on a stage with people who were cro's and ro's and and kevin ruiz and kelvin brant are still people I would consider more than just acquaintances, even though we're acquaintances, you know, because we did, we spent several days together working that stage, talking, laughing, joking, you know, the whole thing. So it does build a different type of camaraderie. You're right. It really does. So I'm, I have the, um, you guys may or may not know, I post stuff on Instagram showing, uh, participation numbers uh, mm-hmm. across the USPSA in major matches. So I have the spreadsheet up right here. And like everybody else, Carry Optics was far and away your biggest division of shooters with open, then PCC. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, open PCC and limited optics were tied. So you guys had quite a few limited optic shooters um, and limited was down a little bit further down the list. And then obviously not, not much for limited 10 revolver uh, single stack and even production was less than, you know, 10%. They're probably about, I'm going to guess around 6% of the overall shooters. Um, Based on who was there and what you know about it, are you expecting what are you, Stephanie? What are you expecting next year? Similar numbers, or do you think limited optics and John? Same thing. I mean, do you do you guys see limited optics getting bigger, or how, how do you see these numbers going? I was surprised to see limited optics be as big as it was. Uh, honestly, this year, like I know we talked about it when the registration had opened up, it was still provisional like it was not required but we had a few folks reaching out proactively asking if we were going to be able like we were adding that so we went ahead and added it and i was surprised we got that that kind of attendance um i think it's going to get big next year assuming it doesn't change before next year's match assuming it's not concatenated with another division or something but as it is now i think it's just going to get bigger yeah we so handgun nationals coming up this week you know it was only less than a month 
behind our match. I think that may have killed some of the PCC as well if those guys were going to LO or or even production stuff. I think production was higher this year than it was last year with just guys getting ready or, you know, people getting ready to go up there. Okay. And it's funny, even though Carry Optics was done in June, it's still, Mm -hmm. you still had a, I mean, uh, it's almost 40% of your overall shooters were Carry Optics. And when you add limited optics in, it's literally 50% of your match was limited or carry optics. So optics are definitely ruling the day between open PCC, carry optics. I mean, those are the biggest numbers out there. Yep. I mean, we, we got to the point this year, Dave, you, if you're looking at our numbers, like limited, like limited and production numbers weren't that far off of each other, I don't think. Right, because you said there's tw- making you go I'm back. I'm pulling it back bit. up. Yeah, That's right. I mean, I'll pull it up right here. What numbers do you want? What numbers are we talking about? Limited in production. Limited was it switched to the Minnesota section. Let's get this right. I was like, those numbers don't look right. So limited was 26 and production was 21. So there wasn't much of a difference. Yeah, and I, I but limited I feel- optics. Guard, go ahead. Yeah, I feel last year, like, production was probably maybe mid-teens-ish. So, uh, like I said, I think Handgun Nationals had something to do with kind of jarring those numbers up a little bit. I don't know if – let me see. All right, I I can actually pull those numbers up for you. Yeah, I think my records show I have, like, 16 in production last year, and limited was, like, 47. So Okay, yeah. According – According to practice score, it was 18 production. Limited was 51. Carry optics was 128. And there was only um, a total number of 15 different between. I think you, I think the numbers I had before. Yeah. Practice score has 323 shooters this year and 308 last year. But yeah, production. Yeah, I guess production had three more shooters, and I'm not sure. So, yeah, and actually, if you think about it, I guess you would say that limited was the big loser. They lost 25 shooters compared to last year. And not only that, you look at the production shooters we had this year, like the GMs. You know, we had Ben Tyler. I think Andreas signed up, but I don't remember seeing him. So, I mean, like, there were more know. GMs in production than, than there was in Limited. So, there was, I don't know, it was, uh, it was just some some craziness going on. Yeah, Limited had zero GMs. Production had four. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's funny, the numbers reversed because for Limited, you had zero GMs, four Masters. Production side, you had four GMs, no. <laughs> No masters. No masters. <laughs> no masters. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Open had the most number of GMs. Carry Optics only had three. Oh. But, yeah, but they had the biggest number of masters and, and then everything else from there. So, and as usual, B class is the prevailing, the largest class of, of shooters there is even overall let's see here yeah even with those numbers added in 
Yeah, B class far and above everybody else. C class is eight hundred shooters behind them. So, wow. But for the year now, I don't know how many repeat GMs, but Open has all the numbers I have for this year. There's 181 GMs have participated in Open Division, but 227 GMs have com- have competed in Carry Optics. Well, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Format? Did you when you? This is the question I had a while back that I didn't write down. That I was like, "Where's the question?" Um, when when you, you decided to send out a request for stages in your mind, did you have any type of format like a three, two, one or, or anything like that? Or were you, I I mean, I don't know what type of instructions you gave these guys when you requested them, because you literally could have gotten eight, you know, big stages. So did you send anything out requesting certain sizes or? No, I just asked them, I think I just asked them to submit, you know, two or three stages. And I, that's the only parameter I gave them um, because mm. I know, I know guys like uh, Ben, Jarrett, uh, Robert, they're going to send me like 20 plus round stages. So then uh, me, I don't feel like I'm a good 32 round stage designer. So I'll, I'll make one. So I'll take, I'll take a 10 or 12 round stage and I'll put it on what I think is our worst bay anyway. So I can kind of put a stupid stage down there and then let the big bages, let the big stages, let the big bays go to those other guys for, for the bigger stages, 32 rounds. Okay. Yeah. But other than that, I just try to, uh, I just try to put the, just try to make sure that the flow is okay. You know, don't put a 32 round next to a 10 next to a 24, you know, just try to ease, try to ease a, 20, 25, maybe 18, you know, just something like that is really, there's no rhyme or reason. I just try to divvy it up by what I think the flow would be like and just go from there. So you don't have any type of theme like, uh, I know there are um, clubs in Pennsylvania that are all about every, every stage is a 32 round stage. So for you, it's just more about match flow and, 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 making it a good match versus it's going to be a bunch of, you know, high hit factor stages or large round count stages. Yeah. Like I I want it to be everything from 10 to 32 and I don't want all the starting positions to be loaded and holstered. You know, we do, we, we did a barrel, we did unloaded, we did wrists up inside the shooting area outside. Um, I just try not to get too too crazy circusy with the props, you know, um, you know, we, with the movers, I should say. So drop, turn, swinger, bobber, that, and that's really nothing crazy there. Just try to make it simple, reliable, so you don't have a prop go down or you don't have to toss a stage. So just keep it simple. Now, what did you guys think of? It was kind of last minute for me coming down, um, and I appreciate the. <laughs> you kept it. <laughs> The media badge. Of course I did. I had no idea you made that. I thought that was a joke. Oh, oh no, here. Oh, wow. You get me choked up. Wow. Yeah. I, so, that is extra, John. I love it. 
Yeah. Well, you got to show the show her the backside because if I didn't have anyone okay. there, if I had someone go down, you're gonna be media and medic. So if someone <laughs> yeah. needed mouth to mouth, they'd be gonna. Is medic on what? Well. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what you sign up for. That's funny. That's the price of lunch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, did you guys get any feedback about the videos or any of that stuff? Had you heard anything or or and? This is also feedback for me. Uh, I was trying not to interfere with anybody, but also trying to cover the match. So was there anything in that regard that you guys heard of? Because I know the one the one thing I wish I had done was covered the um, vendors a little more. So I know that next time I do something like that, I'm, I'm going to do more with the vendors. But I was hoping to get some feedback from you guys. Okay, well, that's a wrap. Go ahead, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for John. No, honestly, I one, I think people always love like having videos of themselves because I saw a lot of people like resharing them as you were rolling them out. Um, I think it's interesting because you know, you you kind of posted up on a few stages so people could see like side by sides of how different levels of competitors, different divisions were shooting. Um, but I think too, it was very um uh I'm I'm forgetting it, the name of that YouTube series um, with like everyone back in the day when they used to the cover uh, cover the matches. What was that called? It's like, no, anybody else watch this? I'm blanking, but but it just reminded me kind of like the days of yours, some of the, the, the YouTube coverage that used to be done of like the shooting sports with like interviewing people and kind of getting their mental uh, plan after the fact. There's like some shooting USA going on right there. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I hope yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, I had so uh, as far as feedback from what I heard, Dave, I had just some people ask who you were and what you were doing. Not like what what was what was he doing? There's like, hey, what's this guy over here doing? So it just kind of explained that he's just down here doing it because he wants to start a new YouTube channel. I'd never heard of him. He was some homeless dude in the back of big lots with a video <laughs> camera. So we invited him out there, but they, they were, they were just asking, you know, who you are, where it was going to be posted, stuff like that. So, and there was a lot of people like you and I going back and forth in Instagram DMS or whatever, just like people I, I'd never seen before and didn't know who they were. So that was pretty, that was interesting as, as far as seeing other shooters as well. Okay. Cool. Well, that's all the stuff that I had. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you guys wanted to touch on? Or is there relief for you, John, to know that you're not doing it a fifth year or you think you're going to miss it? <laughs> um, a little bit I'm of both? Gonna, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll probably miss it, but I, I'm still going to help, you know, help sponsor, probably help work it or you know, be involved in some capacity. In, so you're going to shoot uh, Saturday afternoon. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. I already got my spot reserved. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, Stephanie, yeah, are I, you looking forward to doing another one? <laughs> for next year, yeah. So we're already we're already getting everything going for next year. Plus, now that Ben won A6 this week, now we're, now we're taking the template and we're applying it to A6 now. So now we've got two matches we're planning in our house. So... It's oh, going to be a busy, busy year, but, but yeah. Are you going to keep being section coordinator with him being the area director? 
I think so. I mean, um, it is still an elected position in the state. And I think this past November is when I got re-upped my two-year contract. Okay. So at least through that, um, uh, it does make it interesting, though, because we are a 501c3. So it is something that if you hand it off, there's kind of some education that has to happen after that because um, it's not mm. as nice and compact anymore. But uh, that that and that complicates the entanglements. But no, I think I'll keep doing it um, until we're wiped out. And uh, but it's nice because it's it's a template like we can we've done it at Sir Walter. We've done it at Rowan. And it's been nice. Like we kind of can apply it just to future years. There's not as much original work that has to get done every year. We just kind of refresh it. Well, I but appreciate yeah. you guys coming on and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for coming down, Dave. That was, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised that you decided to come down. So that was pretty cool of you. Thank you. Well, I, if I didn't think I had a, uh, an invite, I wouldn't have come, but I was very intrigued. Um, so I definitely wanted to, to come check it out. I wish I could have shot, but it is what it is. So, uh, I definitely appreciated the opportunity to, to walk around, check it out. And, and I actually learned, uh, you know, quite a bit just by, just by watching how the match went. So it was very interesting. So, and I met Nathan Carter. I mean, something right home about. Yeah. 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 So I was like, not what I expected either. So, I'm curious what you were expecting. <laughs> uh, I, I expected an older guy because I, as I understood it, he had retired from the same line of work that John does. So I was thinking it was going to be this older guy out there. And I'm like, uh, he looks way too young. This can't be him. So I, I and it was a I enjoyed just going over there and chatting with the guy. It was fun conversation, so I, I enjoyed it. His whole family—they're all very, uh, very nice people. Yep. Yeah. His daughters. She does a really good job being out there, being interactive with the customers, learning. Mm -hmm. I can never. Yeah. I've tried dragging. Actually, I put Mason on a stage, and he ran. He worked this weekend because he'd rather go work for Stephanie than he would for me. So. I don't know what nicer. that says about Steph. I know that's a thing. You, the problem is she bribes him with cookies and ice cream and all this other yeah. stuff. Because I, I think he had probably, <laughs> I bet he had, I don't know how many cookies and how many ice creams, but yeah. he was happy to work. So that's all that counts. Sugar always works, John. Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> and money. Yeah. And money. And and money. He did. He did of get course. paid. So, yeah. There you go. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you again, guys. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>